so we we moved the goalpost. The goalpost was podiuming that race. Now the goalpost was going sub 25, getting the big buckle at Leadville, Mm -hmm. um, no matter what it took and just suffering. And so when you get to that finish line, knowing that, oh my gosh, I haven't, I've had probably 150 calories over the last 16, 17 hours and (laughs) 60 something miles. Um, and I'm going to come in under my, you know, the goalpost moved goal. Mm -hmm. Like, holy crap. Welcome to the Zero Quit Podcast, where we bring you inside the minds of elite athletes, business owners, and other guests. I'm your host, Brock Covington, and through these conversations, you'll hear practical advice and effective strategies for building a more resilient mind. If you enjoy listening, be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with a friend. What's going on, guys? So today, I have the pleasure of having on Don Reichelt. He is an ultra runner and plant-based athlete based out of Fair Play, Colorado, He's won various races and plays highly at notable races such as Bighorn, Badwater, and Leadville 100. How you doing, man? Good, Brock. Good to good to chat with you. Thanks for the kind words in the intro, and uh, excited to have a combo. It's always good to connect, and I said this on like the first podcast, and this is why I love like doing the podcast is connecting with people that you know I've exchanged like a little bit with Instagram. You know, like we're both 10,000 athletes. Um, you have. 10,000 the uh, amount of experiences I have with uh, ultra running and running overall so it's good to actually like connect with you guys and uh, just build these like relationships through the podcast so I want to kick off the conversation with your Leadville 2022 experience because it was a very emotional one and I think one that took you through just it took you through hell it took a lot of people through hell honestly this past year from what I saw but I want to rewind a little bit and talk about what kind of led up to your 2022 experience and and hopefully you can kind of paint the picture building off your 2021 experience and what this past year has entailed yeah yeah so 2021 i went back to leadville for the first time leadville was my first ever 100 miler back in 2015 Mm. um so it held a a pretty special place in my heart and i I had said at some point I'm going to go back, but I want to go back when I could be competitive and, and feel mm-hmm. fit. Now, when I started ultra running, I was not good. And eventually I just worked my ass off and started, you know, getting, getting into performing better, yeah. performing better, getting closer to the top of the podium. And then I thought, okay, I'm ready to go back to Leadville. So last year I went to Leadville with hopes of uh, finishing up front. And I thought it was 2021. And the the wildfires in Colorado that year were so bad and I had trained so hard. Uh, what ended up happening was that midway through the race, my lungs pretty much completely shut down uh, to the point that my, my, my pulse ox, my SPO2 was in the fifties. My resting heart rate after like 15 minutes of sitting was still 170. And the medics made the choice that like my day, my day was over and I'm going to the hospital. Uh, so, so I got what pulled off that- the- yeah. Yeah. Not to cut you off. What did that feel like besides, okay, obviously you have the metrics to look at, like obviously something is seriously wrong here, but what was it feeling like? And was it a gradual build during the race or was it, you know, a certain mile that everything just went to shit? It was a gradual build. I, I knew pretty early that things didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of tweaked a hamstring a little bit. And so I knew I had to slow down a little bit anyways. And I, I kind of had already put and I'm not going to compete for the win, but I'm still running in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. And then when things got tougher on the course, I couldn't, I couldn't breathe quite right. I, I just wasn't able to have strong lung functions. I wasn't able to push. And uh, I, I didn't know things were wrong. I just thought it was like, man, this is a really freaking hard day. I, I, mm-hmm. Wild. And then it kept going and it kept getting harder and harder and it it progressively got so bad that i I really couldn't catch my breath um i was gasping and my pacer i pretty much told him like you're gonna have to make a decision to pull me off course because like i'll crawl to this finish line Mm -hmm. um but if you think this is medically unsafe please do it and he made that call and it was the right call and i'm i'm so thankful that he did that and but Mm -hmm that left a pretty sour taste in my, in my mouth. And I, and I wanted to go back. I, it, it set up my whole 2022 season to go back to Leadville and mm-hmm. get some redemption on that course. Um, so much so that it was immediate. As soon as I got out of the hospital the next morning, I was like, okay, what, what is it going to take to get back to Leadville next year? 
Yeah. And um, there's a there's a qualifying race in Austin in November. So I flew down to Austin. I really didn't train at all between August and November. And I went down to Austin in November and did this 50K and got a coin to get back into Leadville. And that, that set me up to get back to what I wanted to accomplish in Leadville in 2022. Yeah, so I want to pause you right there. So one question is how did, you know, going to the hospital, having this serious situation, having this inflammation in your lungs, how did that affect your confidence as far as, you know, I know you wanted to get back to Leadville, but were you nervous going into that next race as far as, you know, is this, is it my back too soon? Am I going to flare up something else? I feel like that might take a hit mentally going into another uh, race. Yeah. And this is where it just, you got to trust two things. You got to trust professionals. So working with doctors mm-hmm. and understanding what was going on with my body. And then, um, so what was, what was going on was that, um, all the smoke inhalation training through the wildfires had basically, um, swollen my lungs to the point that they stopped taking in oxygen. And then my heart was pumping so hard because I wasn't taking in oxygen that it was trying to get as much oxygen as possible. And, um, it was just compounding the situation. So they basically said, here's the issue. Uh, The only thing that's going to fix it is just rest. Uh, don't overwork your lungs and stop running outside when the AQI is 200. Um, so I trusted that. And then I trust my body. I just, I, I didn't run. I, I took almost a whole month off, which is the first mm-hmm. time in almost ever that I've done that without injury. Um, and, and I guess you could consider that a, the lungs an injury. Um, I guess without a broken bone or a torn ligament or something, yeah. I've never really taken time off. So I, I trusted the doctor saying like, if I do this, I could come back. And then I trusted my body that when I did a couple of test runs that things felt mm-hmm. okay. Um, there's, you just kind of have to be smart as an athlete and, and trust those around yeah. you and trust yourself. We know we've, you've done enough races. I've done enough races to know, like, am I a hundred percent? Am I 50%? Can I go for it? Can I push? Um, at the end of the day, I want to run as long as possible. If, if I mm-hmm. have to take another six months off, I have to take another six months off. I don't want to, I'm not going to be stupid and push through something that like, yeah, I could finish this race, but it's going to end my career. I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not willing to do that yet. Yeah, it's definitely one it with years of experience, whether it's running or lifting, it's definitely your intuition as far as knowing your body, knowing when something's off, you definitely develop it over time and even connects to with nutrition as well, like what digests well and what what feels off. Uh, And definitely, I like your point about thinking in that long term as far as, you know, this race, it could be this powerlifting meet, this whatever, isn't the end all be all, you know, there's especially with, you know, both of us are very young. There's years, you know, that you can raise. I mean, there's, you know, how old is a uh, Harvey like Lewis that, uh, you know, a lot of these yeah. guys are so old and they're in their like peak or their prime and they're like in their fifties or sixties with running. So it's definitely good to have that, you know, long-term perspective. Now with going into the 2022 season, obviously you're hell bent on Leadville. Did you tweak your preparation or training for this year versus last year? I know it was like hard to base your performance last year because all the lung issues and things that went wrong, but were there things you might've changed as far as more elevation gains, certain types of workouts? Yeah. So this is, this is actually, I I used a lot of, I've always had the data and I've never really used the data. And so this is where after Leadville, I started really looking at the data, looking at, um, how am I recovering? How am I pushing? I, I made two, what I would call pretty dramatic changes. Um, one is that I went away from having a coach. Um, it, I, I got mentally, I was feeling like I, at the end of the 2021 season, I was running for somebody else and I wasn't running for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And I needed to get back to knowing that I'm running for me and I'm, I'm running for the enjoyment of it because I like to, not because somebody is putting this workout on a piece of paper. Um, so mentally I had to make that change. And then, um, I, the other big change I made is looking at the data, the days that I was eating a lot of meat were the days that I was recovering really poorly and I wasn't working out well the next day. So I made the choice after Leadville last year to go vegetarian and, and to go plant-based. And, mm-hmm. um, I haven't had, I haven't had meat since then. And it's been probably for recovery reasons, the best change I've ever made in my career. What kind of meat were you eating? So I was a big meat eater, um, like smoking meats, 
three days a week kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so mostly like beef and pork and. Yeah, so I, I would okay. I always had so I use butcher box so I got grass fed mm-hmm. sustainable organic meats but yeah a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of steaks a lot of briskets um, a lot of chicken primarily uh, but it was it was predominantly meat based diet mm-hmm. um, so it was a pretty dramatic switch and um, one that the data backed up and so I I not only had the data from metrics to say I sleep better without it. But I also mm-hmm. took a blood draw immediately mm-hmm. when I was making the change. And then I've been looking at my blood regularly since. And the data continues to validate that choice. Yeah, I, I like that, too, because, you know, although I'm not plant-based, obviously there's a lot of runners like you, Robbie, and I had uh, Reese Robinson um, on the podcast earlier talking about, you know, either a vegan diet or a plant-based diet. And, you know, I think it's important for people to kind of recognize whether you make a wholehearted decision on uh, meat as a whole or whether you just isolate, you know, red meats and beefs and things like that or find, oh, chicken digests better than turkey or whatever it is. It's important to look at those things and notice that, you know, that a lot of people don't digest dairy well or they don't digest certain meats well. Uh, and I think it can easily just get overlooked uh, as far as people's diet. You know, there's little intricacies as far as the source of meat or source of food in general. Uh, so fast forward a little bit. You're getting closer to Leadville 2022. You're going into the race. Take us through that whole day, your entire kind of race performance, the ups and downs with it, and, and what that experience was like. Yeah, and this this story will tie back to what I said about the year before, where it's not mm-hmm. worth your career to, to push through something because, um, you know, we pushed through something 2022. So uh, <laughs> race started, I, I, felt, I felt the best I've ever felt going into a 100-mile race. Like I feel like my performances, my, my data was stronger than it's ever been. And, mm-hmm. um, like I was setting five K PRs over like lifetime PRs. I set a five K PR on a track at 10,000 feet up here in fair play. So like, I felt pretty confident that my fitness mm-hmm. was there. And I mean, you can argue if five K times matter for a hundred miles, it yeah, probably doesn't much, but it says something <laughs> about your fitness, yeah. right? Like I'm, 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 I'm in good shape. Um, I'm, I've got almost double the elevation that I had the year before, so much more time in the mountains, bigger miles. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm running more confidently, and I I had implemented a much more strict strength routine. So like literally all the boxes were checked for feeling super confident on race day. Like I just I felt like everything was in line for it to be my day. Mm-hmm. Um, wake up, business as usual. Uh, go about my my early morning routine. Alarm goes off at two a.m. Race starts at 4 a.m. What is that early morning kind of breakfast, that pre-race breakfast? Yeah, so before this race, I had a a slice of French toast and some uh, muesli, uh, which is just oats and fruits and nuts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a brand called Good that I I love their stuff. They have a a product called Athlete Fuel that's it's got a whole bunch of really great stuff in it, and um, I digest it really well. And yeah, that's that's been my go-to is you know, some carbs, some fats, some, mm. um, some various, you know, little glass of juice and a lot of water is my morning routine. And I felt like I was, I felt my gut felt, it's hard to explain. My gut felt different. Like I wasn't not to get too personal on this podcast, but I, I didn't have a great bathroom experience before mm. this race, uh, which I usually don't have a problem with. Um, so that was kind of my first sign of, and I didn't think anything of it, but my first sign that, you know, something was different than I'm normal, uh, mm-hmm. a normal race day where I can usually wake up and have my cup of coffee, go to the bathroom and, um, mm-hmm. race as long as possible. Yeah. Things were not running smooth. Uh, race started. I, in, in years past in big races, I I'm somewhat bad at immediately taking in calories. And I feel like I almost get in a little bit of a deficit at times. So I had focused mm-hmm. on like really prioritizing those first three hours, make sure I hit my calorie goals. Um, was still feeling like, like I just felt like my gut was starting to get heavy and I, I was able to go to the bathroom around mile 13. Um, but my gut just wasn't a hundred percent. And I just, I was like, whatever. I didn't even think about it. I've never had gut issues, never had problems. And so I just mm. kind of kept eating, um, per schedule. And then, and then things started to, to go South. Um, the, the, the actual kind of alarm bell started going up uh, about mile 30 and then mile 38, I, I got into the aid station. I took an insurer and, um, some, some other food. And then it 
pretty much immediately came back and mm-hmm. that started the real story of the 2022 Leadville was, was what happened <laughs> after mile 38. Yeah. Um, for people who don't know 38's right before you begin hope pass, right? Yep. So it like just literally just the warm up at that point, hope mm-hmm. passes you, you started, I think twin lakes is something like 9,200 feet and then hope passes mm-hmm. 12,600 feet. Um, so it's, it's, the, it's the big climb and you get to do that. You go up and then you turn, you go down into Winfield at 9,800 mm-hmm. feet. And then you turn around and go back up Hope Pass to 12, six, and then back into twin lakes at, at nine, two. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a, it's a mountain you get a, you get to play on for a while. Mm. And, so, um, I was going to say, yeah, so go. stomach starts to turn around. What are, so there's next few or that next, I guess, basically half of the race, Besides mentally pushing through, what did you try and do to combat the uh, the gut issues you were dealing with? Were there certain foods that you realized clicked later on, or you know what adjustments did you make? There's to be to be I mean to be frank, there was really nothing that was helping. I was trying everything, um, sipping on stuff, everything that I tried to put into my stomach got it got to the point where I just gagged immediately, and mm-hmm. things didn't go in and didn't stay down. Um, so. I, I tried a lot. I was a little successful pocketing things in my, in my cheeks. So, mm-hmm. um, putting some watered down mashed potatoes kind of in your gums and just mm-hmm. holding it there. It's, it sounds as bad as it is. <laughs> um, it's not what I would recommend as a, as a race fuel, but when you're needing salts, electrolyte, you just salt the crap out of some watery potatoes and you just hold it mm-hmm. in your mouth you're going to absorb something. It's not much, but it's a mm-hmm. hell of a lot better than, you know, going dry for at that, you know, Hours. when I was finally able to, to get some potatoes to stay in my mouth was you're talking, you know, four hours since I had last taken in food or water mm. and you're coming back up hope pass and it's really steep. And I was, I was dramatically losing power. Like mm-hmm. I could just feel zero energy, zero power. And that's a steep climb. And, I was just desperate. I was willing to try anything. So that's when I got back up to the top and I just filled my mouth with mashed potatoes and just sat there for a while and just hoped that like, please let these absorb something, anything. Yeah. So the mashed potatoes, uh, fortunately carry you to the finish line. What is, what is that? What is going through your mind basically as you cross the finish line, as you're running that last mile and you can see, you know, everyone's, uh, shaking the cowbells, everyone's cheering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thinking about like, well, two things. One is like, holy shit, I made it. Um, mm-hmm. As an elite athlete, right? There's that that moment where you kind of have a, a like a morning session for the race that you wanted to have. Yeah. So, like, I had a pity party when I got back to Twin Lakes. I I I told my my wife and my crew, I said, I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna cry for a minute, and then I'm gonna get back up, and then we're just gonna figure out how to finish this thing. And this is where that mm-hmm. just kind of I knew I could push through this without causing damage. It was just a stomach issue, and it was weird, but. Um, so we, we moved the goalpost. The goalpost was podiuming that race. Now the goalpost was going sub 25, getting the big buckle at Leadville, mm-hmm. um, no matter what it took and just suffering. And so when you get to that finish line, knowing that, oh my gosh, I haven't, I've had probably 150 calories over the last 16, 17 hours and 60 <laughs> something miles. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to come in under my, you know, the goalpost moved goal, mm-hmm. like, holy crap. So there's, there's just a lot of emotions that go through it. You're disappointed, but you're also really, really darn proud of yeah. being able to fight through something that most people, to be totally honest, most people, most people would quit through. Um, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't willing to DNF that race two years in a row, knowing that, you know, a little, a little tummy ache, a little challenge <laughs> to keep calories down, you know, 10 to 16 hours of vomiting, isn't going to kill me. I can, I can keep moving. Yeah. And I guess every performance, especially with ultra running isn't black and white. It's such a weird sport where, you know, so much can happen over the course of a race and every race is different too, you know? So it's not like there's a standard respectable time, let's say with marathons, right? Like everyone's looking for sub three hour or they know kind of what, what's elite and what's not. But with ultra running, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday, you know, some hundred milers aren't even a hundred miles. They're like 106 or they're 98. Yep. And then as well as that, you know, there's obviously so much variety as far as the terrain, the altitude that you're at, the elevation gain, there's so many different factors. And then, you know, on top of that, like you mentioned, there's so many things that can come up. You could roll an ankle on a route. You can have gut issues. Um, you know, anything can go awry. And so 
a lot of times you do need to have not just A and B goals, but A, B, C goals, even a D goal, and be able to adjust, analyze the, the situation that you're you know, dealing with, um, take steps to just work towards that next goal. Um, yeah, you have some. Yeah, say? it's 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 really important to, you know, you know what you want to accomplish. We know it as competitors, whatever. You you know what you want to accomplish. You know what you're capable of accomplishing. And sometimes that day is not the day that you're going to accomplish that. And mm-hmm. being able to say like, okay, you know, throw that goal out. Here's what else. Like here's here's what success looks like now. And this goes for, I mean, yeah, competition, whatever. But it also goes in business and stuff like. I wanted to make X, Y, and Z sale and money. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Here's what success is going to look like now. And mm-hmm. that's just, I think it's a mentality of life that you can learn from running that like sometimes you, when you go and do really freaking hard things, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. But that B goal, technically you're failing for your A goal. That B goal is still better than 99.9% of people will ever accomplish. And that's, that's kind of a mentality that I have. And it sounds a little cocky at times, but um, I, you, you have to be able to move those goalposts and still feel successful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I like what you said too, because a lot of times we try and think, you know, whether it is your income for the year or your performance, you think of it as like linear. Like if I'm not improving it from year to year, then I'm getting worse. Right. And in a literal sense, okay. Yes. If it's not better than last year, then it is worse, but there are other ways that you can still improve and there are other ways that you can still take away things and maybe you didn't perform better this year, but you learned a lot from this year that's going to apply to the next year. So there's always, there's always something positive and something uh, valuable you can take away. And if you don't look at it that way and you do just look at it from the negative, then yeah, there is going to be nothing that you can grab from it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not just black and white. Anything we yeah. do in life isn't black and white. There's got to be some, some long-term benefit. Absorb the gray. Yeah. Uh, so heading into the end of this year, I, I saw you, you teased it, um, with Eric on Instagram. Uh, I think it was what, two days ago or yesterday. Two days ago. So I already, I already know what it is, but I'll let you introduce it. What is the next goal you have coming up, uh, very soon? What are you shooting for? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, Eric was kind of broke, broke it through. Um, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't really telling people. And then Eric's like, dude, like, Here's, here's, you know, blasted out to his 120,000 yeah. followers or something like that. Uh, 120,000 people is a lot of, a lot of big audience. Uh, um, yeah, take, uh, so, might as well take the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So I am, uh, I'm heading out to New York City in November and going to do 24 hours on an assault runner. And uh, nobody has ever registered a 24 hour run on an assault runner before. Uh, so I'm going to be the first to put up a, hopefully a pretty substantial mileage number and set the, the world record. We already have uh, Guinness signed on. They, they gave it the thumbs up. Um, so we'll, we'll see, uh, we'll see what we Who can do. Who currently putting... owns the record for longest treadmill runs? Is Zach Bitter? Um, so there's, there's a few guys. Zach, Zach Bitter had it. Um, Tagger Van Etten has the best hundred mile time. Um, the, the, the traditional treadmill world record, I can't think of who owns that, is 100 and like 167 miles or something like that. Mm-hmm. But now we're, we're talking specifically what I'm doing is doing it motorless, right? Like mm-hmm. no no motor, no assist, which doesn't have a, an established record yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be the first. And Guinness has set the bar that they won't they won't ratify it unless I hit 80 miles. Um, but just to be totally, <laughs> I wonder who got to choose that number. Is it someone that doesn't even run? That's like it you could know, it's be not impressive if it's not 80. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll talk at eighty. Um, and, and just totally, totally honestly, I my my target doing some math, knowing that the assault runner for everybody that's run on that, you know, it's not as easy as most treadmills. Like that, that that can get hard, mm-hmm. um, especially after you know twenty hours. So I'm I'm targeting about one hundred and thirty miles is is my target. Um, mm-hmm. I've been I've been training fifty k to fifty miles. Uh, every weekend stationary and, and hitting those numbers at like nine minute pace pretty comfortably. So uh, I'm pretty confident going in that we'll get to a hundred. And then um, I have a pretty, pretty strict plan laid out for the first hundred miles. And then mm-hmm. after that, it'll be just, you know, a crapshoot of whatever the hell I can survive through <laughs> after that. So what is a uh, preparation? You know, you can share your, your game plan for the day of a little bit if you want, but more so, what does the preparation look like when you're training for 100 miles in, let's say, Leadville versus 100 miles on an yeah. assault runner? Because obviously you don't have the elevation gain to deal with, but I haven't spent enough time on an, on an assault runner to really 
think about the biomechanics of it and like how it could be harder or easier? There's a lot of specificity, obviously, on on the assault runner. It's it's you're entering in the opportunity for repetitive use injuries because it is the same step for 24 straight hours. So mm-hmm. um, I've been doing a lot more strength, a lot more stability work, um, a lot of posture work uh because that's one of those areas on the assault runner that right you're you're just it's just you and gravity and mm-hmm. as soon as your posture goes to crap it's it could be the end of my day so what specifically um, uh not to cut you off again what specifically have you been doing with uh strength work because one thing that i've kind of dealt with um basically since the beginning of the year and uh, hopefully all goes well this weekend in my race but uh, is it band right and that's a, yeah. a repetitious or a, yeah repetition basically based injury um, and I've, I've been doing a lot of, again, stability work myself. So I'm intrigued to hear what you've been doing. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of banded stuff to be totally yeah. honest, like, you know, really, really getting the, the hips and glutes. So lots, lots of different variations of clamshells and stars mm-hmm. and, uh, like with, program. <laughs> dude, like abductor, adductor type stuff. So, you know, two, mm-hmm. one foot on top of the bench, one foot on the side of the bench yep. and doing like knee, knee raises, um, Lots and lots of that stuff. I've also been doing a, a lot more like just deadlifts uh, with mm-hmm. a hex bar and, and then doing farmer's carries with the, the, the bar as well. Just getting used to like walking Trump very stability. smooth. Yeah, un, yeah. Under under strain, but walking smooth. Um, those those have been paying off quite a bit. Um, and I'm, I've never been a great core strength guy. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm attacking a lot of core strength right now. Yeah, it's funny because I uh, touched on this, I think, a few podcasts ago, but, you know, I spent seven, eight years strength training and, you know, I don't think I'm like the strongest person on earth, but I'm like, oh, compared to to runners, I must be, you know, elite strong and at least, you know, my glutes are strong. I do lunges, squats, I've deadlifted 500 pounds, like I'm, I'm strong in my glutes. And then when it comes to running, you know, I start to pick up and realize, okay, I guess when I'm taking enough steps on my right side my knee is dipping in. So there's this like instability or, yeah. or, or too much tightness or, or weakness in the TFL and the glute medius. And so I start doing these exercises like you're talking about these, you know, clamshells, line leg raises, uh, you know, uh, what do they call them? Kind of crab walks, you know, sidewalks and things like that. And I'm realizing, oh, I am not very strong at this. Or it, I might be strong for short reps, but not for yeah. the isometric stuff that, you know, you're doing a lot for running. So I myself have been doing a ton of that. I've been doing a lot of single leg. Um, basically, it's like a Bulgarian squat, but I'll stride up with the other legs, almost like yep. simulating like a stride and really focus on my knee tracking properly. And that's, I feel like, paid dividends. And it's been, you know, a crapshoot trying to rehab this stuff because, you know, I've tried all these kind of different things. And slowly over months and months of piecing together the right program, you know, I figure out what works and what doesn't. So it's it's definitely everyone whether you run or not should be doing some kind of form of strength training yeah and the other the other element that i think is really important is um i'm not i'm not sure if you're familiar with what a mobo board is mobo board is I've heard um, of it. is it yeah like it's, the, a, it's yeah it's a it's board? a it's a platform you step on with a bare foot mm-hmm. and it has a spot that you're um like basically your big toe is isolated and the rest of your toes are floating and it, and it really really helps with foot stability yeah look at you can do it, yeah yeah, you can kind of mm-hmm. rock back and forth in different planes, and if you're um, if you're doing movements on all three planes on that board, it's really helping strengthen the the, the stability and the balance of pretty much every plane you could be running on. Um, trail running, obviously, you're at some point you're probably going to need strength on all three Everything. planes. Mm-hmm. Um, treadmill running, it's a little less, but I want to make sure that like everything is rock solid for. You know, stability is going to go out. Balance is going to go out. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure that I I can stretch that. I can delay that as long as possible. So, what is your strategy for not uh, feeling tormented on the treadmill for that long? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've been doing a almost as much mental training as uh-huh. I am physical training. So a lot of a lot of meditation, uh, a lot of like try to like focus work and things like that. Um, mm-hmm figuring out what what the mental strategy is for when things get tough so what am i going to think about what am i going to think through so a couple of big things that i'm doing is i'm compartmentalizing hour by hour so i have 24 hours um what is who am i going to dedicate hour one to 
Like, so mm -hmm. that gives me an hour. Like I'm going to think of like, let's just say I'm going to dedicate hour one to my wife. Okay. I have more than an hour's worth of memories with my wife. wife. So you can, yeah, only, uh, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I have, a, I have so many amazing memories. Right. Yeah, so that, yeah. that should carry me for that first hour. And then hour mm -hmm. two, maybe it's my mom or uh, maybe mm -hmm. my work or like whatever. It, and it doesn't have to be always positive things. It can be like yeah. hour four is like ex-girlfriends and haters and, and yeah. stuff that I'm going to be like, you know, screw you. You didn't believe in me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and just kind of being okay going through those. Um, so that's one strategy. I, also, like, I don't mind listening to music. I don't listen to a ton of music. I listen to more podcasts and mm -hmm. audiobooks. So I will probably be listening to some books and stuff, uh, kind of keeping my mind just at the end of the day, it's going to be super boring. So keeping yeah. my mind occupied is going to be important. Um, and then um, I have something, and I, I recommend any runner out there doing anything long do this because it's been probably the, like, the best thing in my career for when things get really tough is find – five or 10 of your closest friends and family members and have them all give you one song. And hmm. that one song goes, goes on a very specific playlist in that playlist. I call it my suffer playlist because <laughs> when things get like absolutely the worst, I can put that playlist on and I have specific motivation from specific people that elicits specific emotions and memories. And it's not mm -hmm. all like, you know, Eminem until I collapse type yeah. stuff that's on there. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I love that song, but it's, I mean, the, the song my wife walked down to the aisle on, like mm -hmm. that is an emotional response that I'm going to get and get me out of the darkest spot of my of day. Yeah. Um, so just having songs that don't necessarily just like go, 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 go stuff that will mm -hmm. tie back to memories that are important to you. That'll put you in some kind of a, a positive yeah. mindset. I really like you touched on that because that's something I think that, and, and not everyone thinks this way, but I think some people secretly do and they just don't want to admit it because it isn't the most positive thing is I really like the idea of having kind of those cards in the back of your pocket where either you only pull them out when things are really tough. And a, a lot of those cards are, you know, ex-girlfriends, humiliating moments in your life, embarrassing things that have happened to you, awful things, people who didn't believe in you. And I very much, um, feed off that negative yeah. motivation, I'll call it, or those negative experiences. And I think, uh, as much as, you know, someone might say, oh, you need to work those out in therapy. I think the best way for me personally is to work those out through my own overcoming of myself and these, own, you know, and these tough experiences. And the best way I can actually use these isn't just to sulk in them or just to talk about them, but to actually use them as fuel. Like I actually want, I want these tough experiences. I want these yeah. like, you know, bad moments in my life because they make me stronger later on. It's that, it's that idea of breaking yourself down or having these moments where you've been broken down by choice or not and allowing yourself to be recreated, reborn and, uh, overcome whatever you're dealing with. So I definitely like that idea. And, uh, that playlist uh, thing is pretty neat. I think that's, that's a cool concept. I like that you, you have that. I highly recommend it. Like I said, it's, 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 if, if I'm advising an athlete or coaching an athlete or just talking to any athletes, it's always like my recommendation for ultras is come up with a playlist. That's doesn't have to be more than 30 minutes long, but, mm -hmm. um, those 30 minutes could be make or break in your race, right? Like if you're in the darkest mm -hmm. spot, if, if you don't turn that 30 minutes around, maybe you quit. Um, mm -hmm. like that is, that is the special match in your matchbook that you're going to burn when you know you need it the most. And it, and it has worked for me every time I have ever needed it. Um, and every athlete that I've ever ha like recommended that to has said, man, like, if it weren't for that, I would have walked it in or I would have quit. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, shit works. Like you're eliciting some serious emotional responses when you're in your darkest and you're ready to cry anyways. And all of a sudden something <laughs> that's really important to you kicks on. Um, you're going to, it's like jet fuel. Yeah, I get it. Cause there's some songs that I've been creating like a little bit of a playlist, uh, for this Crested Butte race. And, uh, there's definitely like a few of these songs that I know they, they almost give me chills or they give me some kind of sensation that other songs just don't. So I yep. definitely get that. So when, when are you doing this again? And since it's in New York, is it in connection? Is it like a feat of strength with 10,000 or it is a 10,000 feet of strength. So I'm over here like uh, a detective, you know? Yeah. 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 So yeah. 10,000 is, is definitely, um, the, the key partner in this. We're doing it with assault fitness and lifetime fitness, and we're mm -hmm. going to be doing it November 3rd at uh, lifetime sky in Manhattan. So it's like out on their sky deck overlooking some of the skyline, um, it should make 
it should make the views a little bit more interesting doing it outside looking at i get to look at mountains most days now i get to mm -hmm. look at big buildings and <laughs> it, it should make it a little bit more fun um and most importantly uh i live at 9600 feet i was just so you got a little bit of a cheat code there yeah <laughs> yeah so i want to wrap up um or at least wrap up the running component of this podcast with a few like rapid fire questions i want to try these out yeah man cool. bring it on all right so I feel like a lot of, uh, you know, with your accolades, especially with uh, your 100-mile trail record, which we didn't dive into yet, but uh, we, we can if you want to talk about it a little bit. Maybe this ties in. What are your tips for improving your speed and times on the trails? Because obviously it's not as, like, cut and dry as uh, marathon training is. What, do you, what are your tips for improving someone's time on trails? Yeah, uh, work on your turnover. Leg turnover is really key. So just adding things like strides into your weekly workouts um and then stability is the other one ankle stability is is key because uh, if you have a really really good fast turnover you can mm -hmm. get over rocks and roots and anything like that and then if you have really good ankle stability if you do take a misstep on one of those quick not only is that other foot ready to come back down like pretty instantly and catch that but your ankle is strong enough to keep you and that's um that's kind of two-part advice not it's not mm -hmm. gonna it, it should make you faster but it should also keep you healthier as well Okay. And you improve that turnover. Do you work on those with like intervals or do you focus on Honestly, you know, sprinting up hills or just, just really just add some strides. Um, doesn't okay. have to be yeah. much like six to 10 times, 15 second mm -hmm. accelerations. Um, really, if, if you want faster leg turnover, you need to get your legs turning over faster. Engage those fast twitch um, muscles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, uh, this wasn't is always interesting just because everyone trains different. Maybe this is different from how you were coached versus how you coach yourself now. Do you train off heart rate, RPE, or something else? Um, I'm RPE pretty much yeah. exclusively. Yeah, I, like I think it's yeah, it's just for me. It's much much better. I when I was younger in my career and you know developing as an athlete, I paid more attention to heart rate zones and power zones with mm -hmm. my watch and stuff like that. But now I. I know my body so well. I, mm -hmm. I know, I know when I'm working hard and I know when I'm like kind of being a little bit of a pussy and need yeah. to push harder. <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't need a heart rate to tell me that yeah. I'll look at the heart rate data like post-workout mm -hmm. and look at it and be like, okay, like, wow, I got up a little higher than I thought there. I'll use it to analyze some of my performances, but I'm not, I'm not looking at it at all in the moment. Yeah. I feel like one of the best things that happened to me was uh, getting my other wrist tattooed because it kind of like throws off the heart rate data on the watches and so it's oh, like yeah. oh i can't even use it anyway <laughs> so with your programming how do you balance and spread out uh with the exception of the specific goal you're working on when you're normally training for trail races how do you kind of balance or program in your intensity elevation gain your distance or time like how do you kind of structure your own program yeah so well, i i look at it i mean there's there's for me, there's kind of three types of workouts. There's the super easy days where mm -hmm. I don't really care. I, I might just run somewhere cool. I keep it kind of like low key, low elevation, um, nothing. Then there's like hard workout days. So I, I will actually go to the track for mm -hmm. um, repeats or I'll go to dirt, gravel roads, flatter stuff to do mm -hmm. tempo stuff. Um, and then and then there's kind of your longer run days. And I, I like my long run days to be pretty elevation based so mm -hmm. um i i don't necessarily say i'm gonna go run 20 miles today miles, i'd rather yeah, say i'm gonna go run lot. i'm gonna go run like seven hours today or something mm -hmm. like that and I, I have a pretty good idea of looking at you know topo maps and terrain if if this this 20 hour lap one you know might take seven hours and then mm -hmm. this 40 hour lap might take seven hours and um just getting an idea of what i want so i i'm i've never been somebody that's super like over analyzing, Oh, I have, I have to get, you know, 10,000 feet of vert in today mm -hmm. or this week, or I have to get X, Y, and Z. I, I just kind of have a rough outline of what my week is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Um, usually Tuesdays, Thursdays, Tuesdays on the track, Thursdays, more tempo based Saturday, long run Sunday, slightly less long run with maybe mm -hmm. some, some pickups and tempo strides. And then, yeah, usually, Monday, I'm I'm almost always strict. Monday is a rest day, um, mm -hmm. so 
at most, maybe I'll do like 15 minutes of light yoga, um, gentle flow movement just to get the body moving. But that is not a workout day for me. So I'm um, Tuesday through through Sunday. Um, that's about it. I, I, I don't have some magic equation that I look <laughs> off of. I just know how my body feels and how it wants to go and yeah. just go from there. Well, I think that's obviously the, the major benefit of coaching yourself versus trying to follow what you're given each week. Right. So let's dig into Don Beyond the Runner. What yes. is it like living into a fair play, living in fair play, Colorado? Because uh, I was looking on a map when you mentioned flair, fair play, because I was like, I've never like really heard of that. And I realized, yep. okay, Leadville's kind of in like your backyard. It's close to Salida, which I know that's where Robbie's at. And so it's a very like small mountain town. So what, what's it like living in a, a small mountain town? What is the pros and cons with that? Um, we love it. We've been here two years now and it is, it's incredible. We have a couple acres, one neighbor. We, that's like, 500 yards away that we see sometimes other than that it's just us and vacant lands and beautiful ridge lines so first and foremost i gotta wake up uh, maybe do a dip in the ice barrel first thing in the morning mm-hmm. looking at the sunrise over the mountains um that is pretty darn hard to beat uh there alone but um the cons are there's really no good food in town so um but that's also that's also a pro because it forces even the days that that you yeah you you, Mm -hmm. gosh i just i worked a long day and you kind of start making excuses and then like when we were living in the city we would go like uber eats or Mm -hmm. go out and now it's like you know tough i'm gonna have to cook dinner um so it's it's a con that's actually you know disguise it's a pro that's disguised as a con um other than that, man, like it's, it's freaking awesome living out here. People are like kind, small mountain town people. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we love it. It, it can be a little, um, remote at times. Uh, we're about two hours from Denver, an hour and a half from Colorado yeah. Springs. So, you know, some of our friends are pretty far away, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It suits, it suits our lifestyle. My wife and I's lifestyle pretty well. Yeah. I, I feel like in the long run, uh, my wife, Maddie and I, we might end up you know, doing something like that, that too, because we just moved here from Richmond, Virginia. A lot of what drew us out here was the mountains, the scenery, yep. just being so close to it. And then just the sight of it, besides actually partaking in at more outdoor stuff, just the sight of it is just very inspiring and just brings a really good positive mood. It's so sunny here as well. Yeah. And uh, it's similar to you, we're almost like at halfway meeting with you to where we're obviously closer to a lot of things. We're probably about like 25 minutes from the heart of Colorado Springs. And we're like an hour and a half from Denver. So we're still close enough to the things that, you know, like the better food, a lot more people, different events. So I do like that. But we're also far enough away that there isn't a ton of traffic. There's not the hustle and bustle. I still feel like I have some solitude. Even living in like this newer suburban type area, I still feel like I have my own like privacy and I'm not, I don't know, too too crowded. So I, I definitely vibe with that. And I, I will say too, again, because it's, a smaller town or a different area, you definitely get to resonate with the people more, yeah. uh, which is a good experience. So I definitely yeah, get and, that. And we're, we're like four miles to the closest paved road. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty nice for running. Cause I can just pop yeah. out the door and run really mm-hmm. amazing, beautiful gravel or dirt roads, mm-hmm. um, without ever leaving the house. Yeah. It, it's a funny transition. Cause in, in, I'm sure it's this way in other States too, but in like Virginia, there are trails, but you got to really go out of your way to get to them. And they're not all that great. You know, you might drive 40 minutes or an hour versus, uh, now where I live, there's like a little decent half, like, you know, gravel or dirt trail that kind of goes around the neighborhood. That's okay. But still the better trails are, are still like a 20, 25 minute drive. So I usually, you know, make those efforts for those moderate or like longer runs. But to your point, there's the pro right there. Sure, you're not near maybe your closest grocery store or, or favorite restaurant, but you are close to your daily activities, things that impact your lifestyle. So it, it's there's yeah. always trade-offs, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's the stuff that I prioritize in my life, anyways. And we we luckily get you know Amazon delivery out here, so uh, you get a lot of our stuff delivered. There is yeah. a market out here um, that has kind of the bare necessities. We have a, a lettuce grow, so we grow a lot of our produce right in the kitchen um, cool. that we can, I can eat and, and cook from. So we, we figured out the lifestyle. It definitely, I wouldn't expect anybody to move here and just figure it out right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. uh, it definitely took us six to eight months of you know, trial and mm-hmm. error, figuring out like, okay, um, we've both lived in cities our whole lives, right? And mm-hmm. this is a, a bit of a different lifestyle. 
Yeah. So now, now a more personal question because I, I like, I like sharing my personal life besides fitness on Instagram more. And so I, I saw you commented on my coffee reel the other day. Yes. And I was like, oh yes, like another fellow home brewing advocate. So I want to hear a little bit about kind of what your home brew setup is, and you know maybe even like how you got into specialty coffee in the first place. Yeah. So. I I got into it during the pandemic, you know, right? Like mm -hmm. we're, people were getting into like sourdough breads and different stuff. <laughs> like what else are we doing at home? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd always liked coffee and mm -hmm. went to more of the high end cups places. Know that like, okay, I've, if I can order it, I'll order a pour over. And then I, mm -hmm. I never did it at home and then pandemic hit and like, what the hell else am I doing? So mm -hmm. um, started experimenting and over time I've just like, gotten more and more stuff. So we have almost the same setup. I have the fellow, grinder mm -hmm. and kettle and um i have a i, I go back and forth between the, the chemex and the the v60 for my uh -huh. pour overs um or I, I sometimes i do french press if i want more mm -hmm. um it's uh it depends on the day or how much i want but um most mornings wake up and have a, a single h60 pour over mm -hmm. um I, I also have a really nice hand grinder I, sometimes i just like the authenticity of just hand grinding stuff Your forearms it's, it's, are probably jacked right yeah no i, I have, like have a, one of those i have a super nice one that oh, okay um, so it's, that not it's then, actually yeah. pretty easy it's, it's it's geared really well but um no i i, I find it to, to kind of get more outside of the coffee room but i find mm -hmm. it to be very meditative in the yes. morning to, yes. to wake up and have yeah. like like it, coffee isn't just right there i have to go through this process <laughs> i have to earn it yeah i have to go through this routine to get yeah. it it's kind of a like a ritual um mm -hmm. of sorts and then you just get a much better tasting cup of coffee 100 um, percent. yeah no it's it's almost like if i can draw an analogy for those who think we're crazy is it's almost like the idea of having someone else make you a sandwich, right? That that sandwich always tastes better when someone else makes it or you go through the process of, okay, I'm not just going to slap something together, but I'm going to, yep. okay, take the meat, I'm going to slice it, cheese, throw this different condiment on, like all these different things. So it's the same way with coffee. It is this process to where, okay, it might take you five minutes to, to brew your cup, but you went the extra mile to buy some actually you know, f recently roasted beans, you're actually going to grind them to the proper setting, you're going to take your time and brew them. It, it's, it is a very much uh, rewarding process because you get a better cup. But it's also like you said, a very meditative because yeah. I don't know, it just brings you peace, especially in the morning, like you already have something to do. And to check off the box. And yep. I don't know, it, it's very fulfilling. So I, it's, yeah, I, it's, I'm the same way. You can succeed with something right off the bat. That's yeah. pretty easy. And you get this instant <laughs> gratification. And um, and I also like it because it allows me to experiment more and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a tinkerer both with myself as an athlete, but also like, you know, I, I commented like, Hey, what do you grind yours at yeah. on the, on the, on the fellow owed mm -hmm. grinder or and how many I pours think, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. And so there's this really great local roastery, um, not a sponsor, just, I'm a big fan. It's called storyline. They're out of Buena Vista. Um, down. Yeah, I highly recommend. He does like very specialty coffees from around the the country, from around the world, and roasts them and ships them direct. And it's like every two weeks I get this new coffee. And so actually, believe it or not, I have, I have one of his things sitting on my desk right now. Oh, and um, so yeah, this no, is I've a, been. Uh, no, go ahead. Sorry. This is an organic Ethiopian and Brazil blend, and he tells you like the elevation it was grown at and some of the tasting notes mm -hmm. and um, get like give them a try i just love the idea that every couple of weeks i get a new bean a new style of mm -hmm. like he he'll, he'll every once in a while he'll ship like hey i roasted this there's a light roast a medium roast mm -hmm. and a dark roast and it's the same bean you can make them all and do like cupping and yeah, taste yeah. them it's 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 a really so amazing experience i was gonna say that's actually how i got into coffee and what drew me in so much you've been to a cupping before i have not i've, I've done them like yeah yeah i've, yeah. I've kind of replicated at my house <laughs> and you know yeah. done the, like the grid and yeah. figured it all out but um, yeah so that's how i got into it there was a roaster uh in richmond virginia that uh did cuppings every friday for free and a lot of places don't do free public cuppings and things like that so I, luckily i took advantage of it they're super informative like you mentioned about the whole process so i go into it you know being curious about coffee i enjoy coffee but i don't know all the intricacies about it i don't know about the whole world of coffee so he kind of you know through different weeks i'm, I'm learning about you know, this farmer and this roast process, and this is an anaerobic process, and this is, you know, natural or washed, and what, what that even means. And like you yeah. mentioned, the different regions of coffee and altitude. And so there's this whole world of it. And it is just a very enjoyable 
experience to dive into another hobby with the same interest that you have like running so you know you just you just realize that every niche has its own kind of world and however deep and intrusive yep. you want to get into it um you can be that way with it. so right behind me um on my on my bookshelf behind me i have two books and uh i think we might have the same book yeah so well, the first maybe. one is uh craft coffee emmanuel so if anybody is interested uh um this this oh, is kind of where i learned by now now <laughs> yeah yeah and this is just a sales call now no yeah. and then, then then the world atlas of coffee okay um, so this it's is just cool right. yeah you can just yeah mm-hmm. james hoffman um you can learn a little bit about coffee like it's just cool to learn mm-hmm. something that i don't know i my career is in learning and development and i mm-hmm. i spend my time learning and like helping people learn and so when mm-hmm. i find something that i'm interested in i i dive in and i figure out yeah. who's the masters how can i learn and then i tinker so um it's just funny I, these after i read them they just become kind of um decorations for me now to, for that, yeah. to, to show uh how much i love coffee yeah well i've always said and i guess to wrap it up on the coffee i've always said that to me coffee's like the perfect passive hobby for me like i don't need to be all into it and fortunately it's it's not a physical hobby like lifting or running is so it's not yeah. another thing to beat down my body and with coffee it's like i go through phases to where i'm at least you know always home brewing and interested in it but i can go through spikes where i'm like super into it trying this roaster i might do a cupping at home uh but i can also kind of be laid, laid back with it you know so it's it's yeah as much as i want it to be in a way yeah, exactly. And that's, that's how I, I think about the different brew styles. It's like, if yeah. I want to be really pretentious, I'll do a very specific pour over and time it and, you know, do yeah. that. Or if I just, if I kind of know I want more, I'll do the French press and, um, it's just as good, but it just doesn't have that kind of the elegance of the pour. Yeah. Over. We'll have to, we'll have to exchange more ideas or different, uh, beans we try or roasters that we really enjoy at some point yes yes well, <laughs> well that's that's a whole different episode exactly but anyway <laughs> thank you again don for coming on uh, i think there's just so much good information as far as not just like physically with you know trail running or whatever but just mindset things overall from this so i appreciate you coming on yeah thank you so much for having me uh this is this was great hopefully we get a chance to have a cup of coffee together soon oh for sure for sure especially you know you live close enough i need to make yep. my way over that way anyway and uh any where can people find you before i, I head yeah out? i mean the easiest way is just instagram at run with don um that's by far my the only really social media that i follow mm-hmm. and check so hit me up ask any questions i'm i try to be as helpful and open book as possible um i've, I've never gotten a question on my instagram that i haven't tried to answer so um that's that's kind of where i'm at in my career is, is willing to help anybody that has a question coffee running mindset whatever you want bring it at me and i'll i'll help where i can awesome we appreciate it we'll catch you guys in the next one